Hello and welcome to The Stack. For this week's show, we feature a brand new travel title called Ori. It's a thing of beauty. Plus, Fotografska in Berlin has its own magazine. And we head to Copenhagen to speak with Simon Rasmussen from Office Magazine. Enjoy the show. From Midori House in London, this is The Stack, 30 minutes of print industry analysis, and I am Fernando Augusto Pacheco. We start the show in Seattle to speak with the founder of a new travel magazine, Ori. In the first issue, the topics range on the fight from Mexico City's street food art and how Lagos launched the global Afrobeats takeover. The magazine is also planning their very own organized trips. I had the pleasure to speak with Kate Critchko about Ori. Ori magazine is a new magazine. It's a travel culture magazine. I would describe it as a magazine for travelers rather than a travel magazine. Uh, it's human interest stories from around the world told by the people that live there. So we're talking about award-winning journalists, photojournalists, artists that live in these places that we aspire to visit or to experience and having them tell us you know, what is going on on the ground and why why should we be inspired to visit and participate in that? And so that was very important for us to establish right away with the name. And originally, I wanted to call the magazine Origen, like origin in Spanish. And my friends told me they wouldn't read my Spanish travel magazine because they know I'm obsessed with Spanish-speaking countries and they thought I was pigeonholing myself too much. And so I said, okay, fine, you know what, I'll, I'll cut that in half because the Latin base word ori means to rise and to begin and to start. And that crosses multiple languages, you know, in Portuguese is origem, correct? Exactly. And in English, it's origin. And then you have words like original or originate or orient. And so all of a sudden, these three letters took on a lot of importance for what we were doing. And then we... You know, we started having fun with it and we looked at origami in Japanese and ori in Japanese means to fold over or it also means opportunity, which we thought was beautiful. And in Hebrew, ori means light. So we have all these all these meanings that three letters crosses east to west, north to south. And it took on this importance for us. It's like, wow, what a better way to talk about the world than to have a word that represents the world. It makes sense as well for a travel title. And and talking about, uh, I mean, travel, you said is a magazine for travelers. One thing that surprised me, how confident the first issue is as well, because, you know, you, you already are selling apparel on, on your website and you're already planning trips. So that's quite an interesting part of the project. So before we talk about more about the magazine itself, so tell us about this other project. So you really want to kind of create a community in that, in that sense. Absolutely. I think it comes from a lot of our own personal experiences. We're, we're a small team, but our world has gotten so big by the people that we know and the people that we've met. And we saw an opportunity to create not just a magazine, but this platform and this community where maybe the magazine is the entry point and we get people interested in these things they may not have experienced or seen before. But then we just traditionally just leave them you know, so here's this interest, but then what do you do with that interest? And we saw an opportunity to connect the interest with actual action. So yeah, we started Ori Trips as part of Ori Magazine. 
and actually made the deal a little sweeter by our subscribers actually get exclusive access and a discount on all of our trips. But these trips are very much set in our own ethos of connecting with local guides, having these very authentic travel, food, adventure experiences, and hopefully introducing folks to people on the ground that they can go and revisit after traveling with us. These are people who you know, have dedicated their lives to an organic farm or to a fishing operation or to wildlife guiding. For me, the obvious decision to do that was I lived in Basque country for a number of years in Spain, technically extends into France, but I lived on the Spanish side. And so for me, this trip is I'm going back to Basque country with a group of new friends to introduce them to my old friends. And I could not think of a better way to travel. And we're looking to expand that, but we're not in a rush to do so. We're going to the places that we know the best with the people we know the best and we're hoping that, yeah, we create a, a community of conscious, sustainable travelers, because as you know, travel at this point is inevitable. We're all going to do it. I think it's a question of how we're going to do it. And we want to be catalysts for that, to show people that there is a way to do this that isn't extractive, but can be an exchange and, and something that's super fun. You don't have to overthink it. You don't have to feel like you're on a charity mission. You can still go and have these beautiful experiences but do it in a way that doesn't leave a scar. And so, yeah, we're hoping that to package all this together. It's ambitious, we know, but it feels good, Fernando. I don't know. It's been it's been really good feedback so far, mostly from the creative side and from the people who ultimately, you know, could be the most vulnerable in this situation. They're super excited and we're more than excited to work with them. And one small detail that I loved on the cover, you know, where the title is, I think it's so cool. I love kind of the, you know, the the way the magazine looks as well. Of course, the content is amazing, but I think it's super fresh. And there's even like a little dent here on the paper, like little details like this. I love it. Thank you. Yeah, the deboss was was something that our original designer, Shay, really pushed for. And uh, man, it's just small things like that yeah. that... I've had my hands on magazines for decades, but to actually be the one building it, those things are super fun, right? I, I, I love that. I'm glad that you, you picked that out. And, you know, the title is printed in Canada, but you are also based in a, in a beautiful part of the world. I think I can review to our listeners that I can see a beautiful mountain behind you. So tell us where actually are you based? I'm sure you're a man that travels a lot, but where are you based? Yeah, I'm based in multiple places. I'm based in Seattle. Typically, like you said, there's mountains, there's snow, there's green. I'm also spending a good amount of time and have a second base camp in Brooklyn these days. It's just the media world there moves at a different pace and the world comes through that city and there's no denying that. So I'm splitting time to kind of satisfy the both parts of my soul. But also I think it helps put together a better magazine to have multiple perspectives. So long answer, currently based on both coasts in New York and in Seattle. That's perfect. Let's look at some of the highlights on issue one, a story that I thought was so fun. It was a different look at it. And it was not just about Mexico City street food, but also about the signs, the designs of it, you know, because it's super interesting, super colorful. You know, that's for me what makes Mexico City exciting, all the logos, all the beautiful color. So tell us a bit more, some of the highlights. And as you say, perhaps it's not your typical kind of city guide, right? I agree. And I love that that story resonated with you because that was 
that was our first story that we we knew that this is the direction we wanted to go. I think, like you said, color is such an important part of our magazine. That doesn't necessarily mean a color picture. We're, we're happy to run a black and white picture, but just the vibrancy of life and of places like a Mexico City and taking these traditional travel magazine locations and putting a twist on it, I think, is, is a highlight for us. So if you look at this in just the pictures, you see a Mexico City food story. And there are so many top 10 lists on taco trucks or restaurants you need to hit in Mexico City. It's an absolute gastronomic delight of a metropolis, correct? But there's more to it. And I think the multi-layered aspect of this story in particular is what we want to achieve. Like you said, it's about this art form that unifies a city. Everybody seeks out these taco truck art installations to go and get their food every day but not realizing that the artists are fighting this silent battle against the city to protect their art where the city is trying to whitewash it and create, you know, a monoculture that promotes local government. And these small artists are fighting a silent battle to protect a history that most people don't even realize exists until it's gone. So we stumbled across a writer who's dedicated her life to documenting these signs and the sign makers and it just felt like such a good fit for us and i'm so happy that it came out the way it did tamara de anda our writer did an incredible job eunice adorno shot it for us so we had an all-female team in mexico city put together this this wonderful piece i think that really was was a highlight for me i think for me as well and of course i mean the lego story i mean there's so many cool oh. stories in the title i mean explain to us uh, the creative grant that your magazine is doing it sounds to me like quite an interesting project if you don't mind telling us a little bit more about it the creative grant was born from years of freelancing and years of working with other freelancers who are always hungry and always trying to find the next source of funding to put together their next project there's really a, a grind in the industry right now to find budget, to find any sort of means to produce a story. And we saw an opportunity with the grant that we could team up with our subscribers to actually provide those funds. So what we're doing is for each subscription, we're taking all revenue, actually, we're taking 2% of all of our revenue and putting it in a pot. And we're leaving it there and we're letting it grow as we grow with our subscriber base. So Fernando, if you subscribe, we'd be taking a portion of your subscription and this would be helping to fund our grant. And then once we release an issue, we turn back to our subscribers and we we ask them like, hey, what did you like? What was your favorite part of this magazine? And perhaps your vote would be for the, the taco trucks or for, for Afrobeats. And we compile those votes and whoever wins the creative team we award them that money so we give them that money no questions asked and we say use this to fund your next project we don't care if it's with us we don't care if it's with the new york times with the guardian we don't care if it's with a local paper the importance is that you're able to keep telling these stories and ultimately that comes back and that makes our magazine better. That makes the storytelling space better. It makes the world around us better in our opinion. It's a social experiment, Fernando, but I think it's something that could really catch on. And the bigger we, we keep saying this, but the bigger we grow, the further we go is this idea that if we continue to get more subscribers, this grant gets huge. And, you know, we're talking about thousands, if not tens of thousands of dollars at some point for 
as a bonus for these contributors who are already being paid for their work to produce their next piece. That's amazing. And let's remember, it's your first issue as well. So how is yes. it going? I know people can subscribe to it. Can they buy from other countries as well? Are you planning to also sell already in newsstands or bookshops or, you know, and I know in the US is more common these days, more in bookshops. Tell us a bit more about this kind of business part of Ori. Ah, uh, the fun part, right? Ori Magazine is a subscriber-based model. So we definitely love the direct subscribers, what we're really pushing people towards. Anyone in the world can subscribe. We do ship internationally. There is the price tag of international shipping, which is something that we're really working on for issue two. We are talking about actually shifting some of our operation further overseas to be a little bit more centralized. But currently, anyone in the world can subscribe. I think we have subscribers from 12 different countries right now on four different continents. We're looking to grow that. Individual issues are also available, but honestly, as far as value goes, the subscription makes a lot more sense. And yeah, we just got into our first shop in Brooklyn in New York. And then we're, yeah, I think we will eventually be in some shops in London. We're looking at Madrid and Paris. We will probably have some smaller boutique bookshops in the U.S., but that's essentially a window dressing for us. We want people to know who we are, but in order to really connect with the community, this subscription model is, is the best way. Just because, first of all, magazines showing up at your door, great feeling. Second of all, we're really hoping to get a lifelong community out of this. Anybody who's subscribing to us, as we said, you get 10% off of all Ori trips. That's the for as long as you're subscribed thing on any trip. We're also talking with other companies, though, to offer these discount packages, essentially. We're thinking of it almost like the credit card model, where once you're a part of the credit card, you get all these benefits and these discounts. Because we know that, you know, subscriptions are are not nothing. They, they cost money. So we'd like to make that money extend as far as it possibly can. And we're young, so it's small now, but it's it's going to grow and we have a lot of momentum. So we're excited. Thank you very much, Kate. And the first issue of Ori is out now. For more information, go to ori-mag.com. And now to Denmark, where the 62nd edition of the Copenhagen International Fashion Fair has been taking place. Monaco Radio has been there and broadcasting in our pop-up cafe studio, where Monaco's Tom Webb sat down with Simon Rasmussen, founder and editor-in-chief of Office Magazine, to talk about the future of the magazine and fashion journalism. The ethos from day one was to fuck shit up, to be disruptive, to change things the, the way we saw the magazine media landscape at that time. It's 10 years ago now. We wanted to be inclusive, engaging with some real people, with real content, real images, something raw, authentic, that felt not so glamorous and pretentious from what we felt like the magazine and media landscape was at that point. So that's how it started. And choosing a different word, how have you messed things up in the landscape? How have you shaken it up? What does that look like on print? We have definitely put ourselves in very difficult situation with advertisers multiple times. I think we've learned our lesson now. 
we have had a couple of naked men on the cover with like full nudity, full disclosure. Yeah. Which in some worlds and in some people were, were brilliant and genius and they loved it and others uh, not so much. But that's what we wanted to do. We, we didn't want to create something that was liked by everyone. We wanted to create something that everybody was able to see and, and feel and hear, but not necessarily liked. How do you now strike the balance between naked men and advertisers? Naked men, women, or anything in between, or whatever you are comfortable calling yourself. We just notice that as long as we can still do it, just don't put it on the cover and don't put it on social media. Then we're good. We can still do it. Lesson learned. And how else have you evolved over the past decade? Oh, we've learned a lot uh, and we've evolved in so many ways. From the beginning, the magazine was more of a, a portfolio, amateurish project that was just we just wanted to create. And now it's, it's a business. We're a creative agency. We have an online media you know, with daily content, staff, employees and office. So, yeah. And looking at the future of the magazine, are you keeping the business model the same? Yes, we're focusing more and more on our, on our creative agency where we do either content for the print magazine or online audience or we do white label productions, campaigns, events and such. And speaking of the future, we are standing in the heart of the Copenhagen International Fashion Fair. What is the future of fashion journalism? Oh, um, I, you know, there are days where I'm optimistic and like feel like, yes, we got this. This is this is why we're here. And the other days where I feel like there is no purpose for us anymore. Everybody is a journalist. Everybody would with an Instagram account or an X account or whatever social media is your preference is basically a magazine. I, I, I hope and I pray that that's not the future we're actually truly evolving into, that we can still keep some, some magazines with integrity and with true editorial point of view that I gravitate towards. We'll see. And currently, how are you differentiating yourself from those influencers I can see out the window right now with their fancy clothes and haircuts? Well, that, that's, the, that's the question. You know, are we, are we any different? I believe we are. I truly believe we are. I feel like there's no, I haven't seen any social media person with an editorial angle. It's always about me, me, me. And that's also what the reader, what the consumer actually want. They want that me, 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 where a magazine is, is less about that. It's more about putting light on someone else. <laughs> and I, we still need that. It's so important. That's what I work on every single day. And is that what you're working on right now here at the Fashion Fair? What are you doing today? Today, I'm having a few meetings, meeting some people, preparing for a big party we have tomorrow with Sif at Uxnehallen for thousands of people with great music. Again, like that's not for me. That's for, for you guys. To, it's to for us. We're going to be there. Yeah, great. <laughs> And also, are there brands here that you're looking out for in particular? There's a few brands. I myself, personally, I work with a brand as an active wear fashionable brand called Seven Days Active that I work with. Besides that, I'm, I'm uh, sniffing around, seeing what's new, what's up. I like to find some new brands and I haven't seen it yet, but I'm, I'm, I just got here an hour ago, so I still have time to snoop around. And when will you know that you've seen the brand of the future? What is 
it going to look like? Sustainable, obviously. I think it's important with a sustainability, yes, and a commercial aspect, and then a point of view, a true love for what you do, no matter what it is, if you're creating boots or scarves or a full ready-to-wear line, if you, you have to love what you do and love the product you put out there. I think that's like the key to any successful brand. And I try to be part of that as well as a media. You know, I, I love what we do. I truly believe in it. And I think that's what will sustain. And the same goes for any fashion brand. Like you, you have to love the product you put out there and really truly believe in it and want to wear and sleep in it every single day. Well, finally, this program is hosted by Fernando Augusto Pacheco, who is amongst many things aware of shorts. We're looking ahead to spring. What does spring fashion look like? Not just in the Nordics, all of Europe, America. What should we be wearing? I'm going to be wearing, and this doesn't align with what I'm wearing today, but I'm going to be wearing colorful clothes. I believe that we are moving away from this dark time we've been in, and maybe some of us still are, but I believe in in a fresh perspective on the future and something optimistic. I think we need that. We need colors. We need to look each other in the eyes and smile and connect. And I think that the dark colors often get us close us in a little bit, whereas like bright colors opens us up. So I, I believe in that. Thank you to Tom Webb and to Simon Rasmussen there. Founded in Stockholm in 2010, Fotografska is a destination to discover world-class photography. They also have an offshoot in Berlin. I had the pleasure to speak with the head of editorial for Fotografka's Berlin magazine, a beautiful title showcasing reflections on the museum's current exhibitions. For the latest issue, expect a Miles Audrey special and more. Caroline Whiteley stopped by a Midori house to tell us a bit more about the magazine. Fotografiska Berlin magazine basically came about as a project inspired by the magazine that already existed in the Stockholm location. Fotografiska is a group of museums. The original one was founded in 2010 in Stockholm, and in 2019, several other locations around the world were opened, Tallinn, New York, and the Berlin branch launched in 2023. And so the idea came about to have a publication that could kind of introduce Fotografiska as a museum and also as a space to a Berlin audience. We worked together with the team that created the design and the concept for the Stockholm magazine, but it also differs in terms of the content. So unlike the Swedish original, Fotografiska Berlin magazine is published in English and in German in one page so that it's accessible to as many readers as possible because Berlin has a really strong international community. It has a very strong international arts community, but it was always very important to keep it accessible for the local community as well. So that's one of the ways in which it differs from the Swedish magazine. And yeah, quite happy with how it turned out. And it's been a lovely project to work on. Well, before you talk, we talk about the latest issue more, I just, I, I was curious about it. So the Swedish, uh, the photographs came in Stockholm, they have their own magazine, right? What about the other branches? What do you know about their different print projects? So I think that I can't quite speak on the other locations because Fotografiska locations work quite independently of each other. I believe that there are some catalogs and book projects that the other museum locations have worked on and publish. 
I know that Tallinn might be working on their own magazine project. I'm not sure if it will be published exclusively in Estonian. But yeah, it was cool to have this opportunity with Photographiska Berlin magazine to be kind of a pioneer in the sense of opening up the magazine to all readers and have different languages be represented in the publication. And of course, I believe if you're going to visit, pay a visit to Berlin, you can buy the copy there at the museum. And I guess that's perhaps the only way or there are the other ways to get hold of a copy. One of the nice things about the magazine is that visitors can bring home a copy. You can purchase it in the gift shop. We also occasionally hand out the magazine at events, but it's also sold in various locations all around Berlin. You can actually pick it up in pretty much any specialist magazine shop, at train stations, even at the airport. And so it is purchasable in a variety of places around the city. And it's also purchasable online through the Photographiska website and to Berlin, the publisher that we worked with to publish the magazine. Let's talk about the format. It's, you know, it's a large format. I love the paper. It's, I don't know how to describe this paper, but it's really... It's kind uh, of soft. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. soft, but also lush at the same time. So tell us a bit more about the format. Did you have kind of meetings to see how do we want this magazine? Traditional format, because this one... It could almost be like a Berliner newspaper, almost. I mean, things a bit smaller than that. But tell us a bit more about the format. Yeah, I think first and foremost, we wanted something that people could kind of put in their pocket, something that would also be accessible from a price point. And also, the magazine is published in collaboration with Tip Berlin, which is a publishing house that is similar to Time Out. They actually create Berlin's largest city publication. So they had the expertise as well. And every copy of the magazine is also included in Tip Berlin, the magazine, and in Ex-Berliner, which is an international English language magazine about Berlin city life. So we benefited from this corporation by having the magazine be available in your subscription if you're already a reader of Tip Berlin and Ex-Berliner. And that's also why it's quite handy that it's quite compact so we can actually put it into the other magazines as a supplement. And of course, in terms of content, there's a lot of nice previews of exhibitions at the museum. I know one that I'm very excited is the Miles Aldridge one. I love Love his work. And, you know, it's some great photography here as well, right? So that's an exhibition that's coming out in, the, in next week, I believe. Yeah, so Miles Aldridge will be the main exhibition in the Photographiska space. There are three exhibition spaces in total. And each issue of the magazine looks at the exhibitions and provides a sort of deeper analysis, you know, or an interview with the artists in this latest issue. We have an exclusive visit of Miles Aldridge at his studio and The magazine is sort of structured in three parts. One is the exhibition parts, of course, the long-form features that really dive into the shows and get to know the artists behind the works. Another part is the food and beverage part, because in Fotografiska, there's also a cafe, a bar, a restaurant. So there's also a lot of other spaces in the building that we want to amplify and we want to tell stories around, you know, what people can experience in the restaurant or what kind of musical guests are popping by at the cafe bar. And then another part, which is sort of the independent editorial section, which tells stories from Berlin's art community, stories that tell something about, you know, the political shifts that are going on in Berlin and document stories from the local scene. One question more about Berlin itself. Do you think, I know it's a very exciting city for creatives, but as an editor for people that likes to work with print, with magazines, do you think that's also exciting, do you feel? 
Yeah, I think that for Berlin, it is an interesting place because so many different cultures come together. There's been a shift in the last, you know, 10, 15 years where a huge variety of the artistic sort of movements that have come in have been through international artists. So there's a very strong expat artist community alongside the local art community. And so when kind of working with certain contributors or telling certain stories, I wanted to place emphasis on being as inclusive as possible and including artists from, you know, German artists, but also expat artists, international artists, because I think it's really important that these two communities don't sort of operate next to each other, but are very collaborative and are presented in a project like this. And sorry, just out of curiosity, if I'm a big fan of magazines, next time I'm in Berlin. So I. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure you are. Where, where, where can I buy magazines? Is there a nice place? Of course, I presume a Fotografska will be a good one, but are there any independent magazine shops that you would recommend? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I think the most famous one one that comes to mind is Do You Read Me, mm. which is quite a bit like mag culture in London, I suppose. It's a shop full of beautiful magazines from all around the world. And yeah, I think that's maybe the go-to place to buy lots of interesting magazines. It's also quite close to the Fotografiska Berlin location, so you wouldn't have to go very far. Thank you, Caroline. And the magazine is distributed in Fotografiska's Berlin's gift shop, as well as over 300 additional locations in Berlin. And that's it for this week's show. My thanks to Jack Jewers, our editor. If you have any comments or queries, feel free to write to me, Fernando, at fpandmonaco.com. Remember, we're back next Saturday at 10 a.m. London time. Meanwhile, you can subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. You've been listening to The Stack. I'm Fernando Augusto Pacheco. Until next time, it's goodbye from me. Mm-hmm.